Welcome to What the Health, a podcast where we explore the key health issues that are often dismissed. I'm James Jensen, a functional medical practitioner and owner of Hello Health, a holistic clinic focused on treating the root cause of issues rather than the symptoms by connecting the dots and giving you practical and evidence-based solutions. And I'm Julie Johnston, one of James's clients, and I also happen to be his PR consultant, who, let's be honest, basically strong-armed him into doing this podcast. If you've been going around in circles, feeling dismissed, and not getting the results you deserve, then you're in the right place. Because as you always say, James, just because something is common doesn't mean it's normal. Exactly. So let's drill down to what's really going on. Okay, James, I'm excited to dive into today's episode. Um, Now, something that people who have been into your office before would know, you have a whiteboard on your office wall, which is a baby tally of the babies that you have helped make. Can you tell us a little bit about that board? Yeah, so I first got the idea with, um, I guess, you know, in workplaces where they'll have like a board where it says, you know, so many days since an accident or, or things like that. And what what sort of triggered it was I'd have people that would ask me, they'd come and see me for fertility and they'd say, oh, you know, how many people have you helped? Is this something that you see quite commonly? So I started a bit of a tally. So every time I'd help someone conceive um, successfully, um, I put a little tally up there and I'm really happy to say that we've got over 100 on the board. Yay, congratulations. I know anytime I go into your office, I like watching that tally grow. It's very exciting. And um, because, of course, you know, we spend a lot of time in our younger years trying not to fall pregnant. Um, But then, you know, when the time comes that we're ready to start a family, for some people, it's not as easy as what we think it could be. So can you tell us what um, are some of the things that are important when we're ready to make a baby? Sure. So one of the, I guess, there's four key things that we really need to happen. Firstly, we need to have viable sperm, we need to have a viable egg, uh, we need to be ovulating and um, need to be having sex and having sex at the right time, which is in a normal sort of typical 28-day cycle, that's mid-cycle. Mid um, some of the signs of, of ovulation can be egg white discharge um, and usually you'll find, as a female, you'll find your partner significantly more attractive so there is a a rise in libido and things like that so um it's much easier to overlook you know their annoying traits when you're over ovulating because obviously your body wants you to um, be attracted to them at that particular point of the month is that right that's right yeah it it makes sense when you understand it and part of ovulation is um big surge of hormones in particular progesterone and progesterone is a really powerful sort of dopamine and serotonin activator. So women will typically feel happier, safer, calmer, sexier, and they'll also um, feel the same way about their partners. Right. So if a couple have been trying for a little while um, and they're sort of not seeming to fall pregnant, um, they've been to their GP, had a bit of a chat, so you're often seeing them come into your clinic uh, after they have been trying for a while. What are you know some of the feelings and frustrations that they're experiencing? Yeah, so a lot of uh, people are quite frustrated in the sense that, you know, they might be ovulating regularly and everything might seem to be, you know, all happy and normal, you know, with, with a lot of their basic testing. And what my job is to really highlight some of the um, gaps in some of the testing that might be 
um, might be there. For example, um, a really common thing would be vitamin D deficiency. So for fertility, um, for the egg and sperm to have this conversation, I say they have a conversation about vitamin D when they first meet each other. And both the, the male and female partner need to have vitamin D levels above 100 nanomoles per litre um, and ideally above 120. And without that, um, it's, you know, conception simply won't happen. And the reference range for vitamin D in Australia is 50 to 150. So a lot of people that we test are sitting around the 60 or 70, which, you know, as I just said, is not quite adequate for fertility. So really for me, it's about testing the little things that I guess often get overlooked as, as key things. And another one of those things would be um, the vaginal microbiome. So the vaginal microbiome is is everything. And I also jokingly say that for fertility, you must smell good. So firstly, there's these little pheromone interactions, which are all governed by smell. So our bodies want a bit of genetic diversity. So we're attracted to people that are more genetically diverse than us. Um, and a lot of that's happening through microbiome relationships, so like bug balances. And to take it back to the context of the vagina, if the vagina microbiome balance isn't quite right, um, again, that's a major handbrake to fertility. So we're often doing vaginal microbiome tests, which is just a swab. And we're not just looking for things like candida or you know, bacterial vaginosis, which is a bacterial infection. We're also looking at, you know, what is, is there sufficient lactobacilli species? Um, it's a little bit different to the gut where we want lots of variety of species, but in the vagina we want very few species. And most of those are lactobacilli. And the cool thing about the lactobacilli is they produce acids which maintain the right pH and again if the pH isn't right we can get opportunistic infections and that can be a like a massive handbrake to fertility. Right and so what are some of the other things that you're testing as well with all of this? So so basically um, you organise all these tests, they come back, you analyse them, you see some of these things that might just be seemingly minor but they can have a big impact. So what are some of the other things that you're looking for in those test results? Yeah, so we're often looking at things like zinc levels. Um, zinc's really, really important um, for both egg and sperm quality, but certainly things like ovulation. Again, there's like a little sweet spot with zinc. We want zinc to be typically above um, sort of 15. And the other thing that we'll also test alongside zinc is copper. So again, if we, you know, you talked about people often wanting to, well, we spend a lot of our time trying not to get pregnant. We're scared. And so, you know, females might be using contraceptives and one of the major side effects of contraceptives is they actually hold copper in the body mm. and that copper actually kicks zinc out. So you could be on the pill, say, for 10, 15 years, all of a sudden come off and, if, and your zinc-copper ratio won't be naturally corrected. So um, simple things like zinc is a, is a really big one. Thyroid as well is a common one that we see as a, as a handbrake to fertility. That can affect ovulation. Um, but in particular can affect progesterone and progesterone is the hormone um, that holds a pregnancy. So progesterone, progestation. So it's a really, really important thing that we look at and all the time we're detecting things which I, I guess you can term subclinical hypothyroidism. So on the tests themselves, the thyroid might look okay, but it's not optimal for fertility. And, you know, and that can even be simple things like iodine deficiency. Again, if iodine is low, that will affect ovulation. I think it might be the third most common deficiency in Australia. And if iodine is low, you, your body just won't continue the pregnancy either because 
Iodine is one of those key nutrients that helps the baby's brain develop in those very first, um, that first trimester. So if iodine's low, the body has this natural mechanism where it says, hey, look, now's not a really good time to have a baby. So mm-hmm. we'll wait for iodine to be corrected and then we'll, we'll go about things. And so for most of these things, like most times these women would be feeling fairly healthy and thinking they're in good health, they're eating good diets, um, they're in a good age bracket for falling pregnant. Um, And so it's not until really analysing these test results that you're seeing that there's just these minor tweaks that need to be made. Is, Is it sometimes as simple as that? It often is. And most of the conversations that I'm having with people are, you know, let's just look at the basics first that I think are important that usually don't get routinely tested. And once we once we find those things, that's where the magic happens. And I think that's how I've got to, you know, fill my, my baby board to, to over 100. And I, I think, like you pointed out, it's often not one major thing. It's usually a collection of lots of little small things. So, you know, those little one percenters, they don't, you know, one plus one doesn't equal two. You know, one plus one might equal sort of 15. And then when you have like a third factor, you know, you might be sort of, Things like, I guess you could be reducing your chances by twenty five percent. And with a normal, if you know, if everything is healthy for both um, mum and dad, then what will you know, I mean? Generally, it's about a twenty five percent chance of successful conception each time you try. So it's not really high anyway if everything's perfect. Mm. So if you start to get a few things like you know zinc deficiency, vitamin D deficiency, iodine, or the vaginal microbiome is out of whack, all of a sudden we can see how people can feel healthy and normal but still have a lot of trouble yeah and and of course and you just mentioned then you know like it's mum and dad being healthy and so it does take two to tango and we often focus on the woman's health and testing um, but you're doing that testing with the male partner as well and so what are some of the things that you're specifically looking for there in in the male um, with the man yeah so a lot of it is the same sort of nutrient levels that are really important which is kind of convenient um there's a fair fair big overlap um again zinc deficiency is a really common one that we see with men um so we're always looking at things like zinc levels vitamin d levels um one of the little things that we often find as well is might be things like low testosterone so um if they're drinking too much that will definitely affect sperm quality um chronic stress poor sleep so those things have a massive impact um, on sperm quality. And, and of course, we're testing sperm too. I like to do that pretty well straight away because often women feel like they're wearing the burden of it all. Mm-hmm. And if we find that, you know, the sperm isn't up to scratch, it, it makes a big difference, especially because uh, what a lot of people don't realise is that when egg and sperm meet, the female, like the egg, actually fixes up any damage or problems with the sperm. So she's using all her energy straight away to fix any problems with the man. So this is just the story of a woman's life really, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Yep. Right from the right from the very get go, the females are fixing the men up. Um, so it's really important for men to be bringing the best sperm to the table um, that they can because it does make a big difference. Yeah. And most times do you find, is it the female that's approaching you for the appointment first and then you're encouraging getting the man involved? And and how do those conversations go? Are are most men quite willing to come in and have a chat and go through this testing process? Yeah, I'd say more often than not, I'll see people as a couple. Mm -hmm. um, And if not, I'll encourage the male to come along at a different stage or at least I might um, being, you know, sort of give give the female partner the list of, of tests that would be wanting to to be done um but I, I would say by and large 
the attitude has probably changed. I think even in the small time that I've been practicing, men sort of really understand that they're at least 50% of the problem. So, yeah, they're, a lot of them are willing to, to get those tests. Yeah. And so you said that oftentimes with some of these small changes, so it's some sort of like um, like vitamin and nutritional supplements and maybe some lifestyle changes, um, how soon do they start to see results? Yeah, so if we're talking about the context of like egg and sperm quality, usually we allow for sort of, you know, sort of three months to really um, see the proper changes in in, in like a, a test. So let's just say the sperm quality wasn't up to scratch. Once we sort of apply the right interventions, we're usually within three months, we're able to like clinically see a, a difference there if we were to retest. Um, I usually allow up to four months to, to really know just how far we've gotten with some of those interventions. But yeah, it's usually quite quick. Mm. And and obviously, um, you know, much less taxing emotionally and financially than having to go through IVF methods to conceive. So um, certainly worth if people are having trouble conceiving, you know, seeing someone like yourself and, and looking at these options before going down that road. Yeah, and I also explain to people, even if we aren't able to help them conceive naturally, any little thing that we do is only going to push them in the right direction. So, mm. you know, if it is about improving, you know, egg or sperm quality or, you know, the microbiome of the vagina or, or even the penis, we're actually going to see, you know, if, if they're going down the path of IVF, they're going to get much better results rather than just the usual, um, often they're told it's like the numbers game. We'll just keep trying and eventually one will stick. So mm. um, anything we do is always pushing people in the right direction. Yeah, so it's really helping get them in that um, optimal stage that their body um, knows what it needs to do and wants to get pregnant. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, some of the other complications that can affect um, fertility, can you talk to those? I know endometriosis, um, you know, and things like that. Do you want to have a chat about some of those other things that might be affecting fertility? Yeah, so there is, yeah, I guess, the idea that, you know, inflammation is the root of all evil and it's quite true with fertility as well. So, Things like endometriosis, which is, I guess, considered a gynecological problem, but it's really an issue of the immune system. So, again, we're talking about any sort of um, inflammatory processes not only going to affect, um, you know, the the chances of conception, but also affect, you know, rates of miscarriage, etc. So, treating things like endometriosis is really rather than focusing on, um, I guess, the gynecological side of things it's really about treating the immune system and by doing that we're able to bring that inflammation down which improves ovulation um, it improves the chances um, of maintaining a healthy pregnancy and again it's a lot of lifestyle stuff using the right nutrients to support those things i mean time and time again i'm seeing just by improving things like the vaginal microbiome the impact that it has on endometriosis and unfortunately one of the well what a lot of the main treatments for endometriosis are either like shut down the endocrine system, so stop ovulation, all those types of things, or surgery. And surgery can be really useful, but it's failing to address the immune dysregulation that's there. So a lot of that might be, you know, just doing things, simple things like reducing gluten and dairy can make a massive, massive impact. So, you know, diet becomes really, really important in that context. Mm, yeah, great. So it must be so rewarding for you when you do receive that phone call or email from someone saying that they've fallen pregnant and, um, and 
you know, even if they have had a little bit of trouble conceiving, um, you know, do you then encourage them to still continue taking some supplements to support that pregnancy and their health during that time? Yeah, I have a bit of a rule in in the sense of um, whatever got you pregnant, you should probably um, continue because it will help keep you pregnant. Um, and obviously all the things that we're prescribing and using are, are safe in pregnancy and fertility. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's a it's a really rewarding sort of thing to do. Like you said, get the get the phone call, and then I also love getting the pictures of the babies. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. So obviously, um, if anyone uh, is you know trying to get pregnant and they're having a bit of trouble conceiving, they can obviously make an appointment with yourself. Um, what other sort of steps you know if they're not in our area or um, have access to an online appointment with you? Um, what are some other simple strategies that you can give people who are trying to conceive at the moment? Yeah, I think first and foremost, it's about getting the right testing done. So we have, um, we're obviously open to people just reaching out to us and we can send them a list of, of tests that we would recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've also got like a webinar that's available for purchase, which is $20, which I'll literally go through. Um, you have to listen to me for an hour and, an hour and quarter. But, but lots of great information in there. Yeah, so... We're talking literally about everything from, you know, how, again, like we're talking about that conversation between egg and sperm, vaginal microbiome, all the lifestyle factors that affect egg and sperm quality. So it's really quite comprehensive. And um, I think a lot of people are really, really surprised at the things that affect um, fertility. And it's just not the usual sort of things that get tested. Yeah, and you're right, that webinar is a great resource and I know you got some fantastic feedback from the people who attended the in-person discussion with you and then their webinar, Um, so that's definitely worth checking out. Um, So anything else you want to add about fertility or shall we we, uh, move on to the frequently asked questions? I think we're happy to move on. Okay, lovely. So let's um, dive on into some frequently asked questions. Um, So one of the ones that was um, put on our social media recently, I don't eat meat, I only eat clean. Why do I feel so bloated all the time? Yeah, so we get this one quite a bit. And uh, one of the things that can happen is if you're not eating meat, obviously you're then eating vegetables, Um, vegetables and plants. And vegetables and plants are wonderful because they've got lots of fibre. But sometimes what will happen is if there's a bacterial overgrowth in the gut, so the bacteria eat fibre. So if your diet is really, really sort of um, heavy in terms of fibre content, often what you're doing is you're feeding the bacteria and then the bacteria creating an inflammatory process. And it's not necessarily good bacteria or bad bacteria that's the problem. Often it can just be just too many of of whatever bugs are there. So as you're eating lots of fibre... and it can still be clean, so it's lots of fruits and veggies and salads and all those things. It's that high amount of fiber that feeds the bacteria and that creates the inflammation. So bloating is, is an immune response and often that's related to things like leaky gut, which is where the gut lining is more permeable, which means that the immune system that sits the other side of the gut lining is acting like shoot first, ask questions later. So the foods or the fibers are feeding the bacteria and then the immune system's mounting a response against the bacteria as opposed to it being like an allergy to say like tomatoes or mm. legumes and things like that. So what's the answer? So what I like to do is 
obviously I, I'm not going to say, oh, look, just start eating meat and you'll be fine. Yep. I mean, that's one option. But uh, what, we, what we'll usually do is we'll use some powders to heal and seal the gut lining. So I say to people, it's like putting the fence back up between your immune system and the outside world. Mm-hmm. So we do that and then we'll also use what I call selective antimicrobials. So they're herbs that essentially kill off some of the excess bacteria and feed and nourish the ones that we want. So it's a bit of a, like a weed and feed of, of the garden. And um, yeah, we usually see really good results with that. Okay, fantastic. That's some great advice there. Okay, one of the other questions that um, come up quite frequently on the socials, what causes menstrual headaches and migraines? Yeah, so this is a, a really big topic in itself. But often if it's hormonal related, so like menstrual headaches and migraines, it's often to do with the can be the change in hormones. So in the lead up to a period as um, progesterone falls and the body's having a hard time detoxing estrogen or if if the hormones fall too quickly, people can get headaches and migraines. So it might be about promoting estrogen detoxification or it might be about supporting progesterone. Usually there'll be other symptoms associated um, with the headaches and migraines in terms of, you know, like heaviness of periods or PMS, which gives us a clue as to which hormone we might need to work on Um, one really common reason for uh, headaches during a period can actually be low iron so again the reference range for iron can be different for different people Um, but what we'll often see is that if you're like a female that's menstruating regularly those cutoffs that we're using for ferritin which is your stored iron probably aren't quite adequate so Mm -hmm. again it's the nuances of, of looking at the whole picture and deciding what's happening but you know, clots and periods and um, headaches during a period is almost always low iron. So again, we'll be looking at some of those nutrients. We talked a little bit earlier about iodine. Iodine's a really nice way to support progesterone. So supporting progesterone and making sure the body can detox estrogen properly um, is, a really, is a really nice way to treat them. Um, any sort of inflammation will also lead to headaches and migraines. So again, we're talking about things like perhaps we need to reduce gluten or dairy from the diet and they're terribly inflammatory for most people but especially someone that's having you know headaches or migraines that are menstrual related Mm. and it comes back to what you always say that just because it's common doesn't mean it's normal and um you know a period can and should be healthy and not causing all these other symptoms is that correct yeah so really what should happen is it should just rock up and you go oh gosh my period's here as opposed to a, a massive lead up where you go oh my period must be coming i'm really grumpy or I'm getting headaches or I'm getting acne breakouts or things like that. So really it should, you should just be able to look at your calendar. Oh, it is the time. Mm. So yeah. Okay. So it's definitely worth getting checked out, doing some of those tests and seeing what um, supplements um, could be useful to help with that. Absolutely. Fantastic. Uh, Now, speaking of acne breakouts, that leads us very nicely into our last um, frequently asked question for today. I'm fortunate that I've always had clear skin, but lately I've been having really bad and extreme breakouts near my lower jaw and also upper forehead. What, why is this happening? Yeah, so jawline acne will usually appear um, in the lead up to a period and that's a sign of things like uh, zinc deficiency. And what's happening is around ovulation, you get a surge of things like testosterone and progesterone, which is part of ovulation. But if the body is having a hard time clearing those hormones out, they're called androgens. If the body's having a hard time clearing those hormones out, they'll often get uh, acne along the jawline. So one of the common treatments for 
um, acne or not so common, but in the more extreme versions would be uh, Roaccutane, which is really strong vitamin A. So what I find is if people have sufficient zinc and they have sufficient vitamin D, that helps the liver liberate vitamin A. So it's like a natural form of Roaccutane, if you like. So almost always jawline acne is excess androgens or trouble detoxing those androgens. So I'll usually look at things like zinc and vitamin D as a as a first protocol. And then if we're seeing like the upper forehead, usually uh, that's linked to stress. So again, there could be some stress going on that people don't sort of acknowledge or understand um, how it's impacting them. But forehead acne can often be related to stress. So sometimes their diet might actually be really good and they're still having these breakouts, which is then obviously incredibly frustrating. So again, it's a case of having a look and getting to the root cause of that symptom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the the typical acne treatments from, a, I guess, a, a medical point of view would be things like contraceptive pill. And you can see how, uh, you know, what I mentioned earlier about how the pill holds copper in the body. Mm. And then that kicks zinc out and then when you come off the pill, so you might have started the pill for acne reasons and then you come off and then you get these breakouts and you go, well, I just want to come, want to go back on the pill. Mm. And it could often be as simple as literally just taking some zinc, which helps correct that zinc copper ratio. Then the body can clear out those androgens and then you still have beautiful skin without having to take the pill. Yeah, fantastic. Great advice as always, James. Um, Thank you for chatting with us. It's been fantastic as usual. And uh, as we mentioned earlier, people can certainly go and check out that fertility webinar on your website. Yeah, thanks, Julie. We hope you enjoyed this episode on What the Health. If you want to keep hearing more, follow us on the Apple Podcast app, where you'll be notified every week when we drop a new episode. If you love the show and want to support us, feel free to share the podcast or go leave us a review. Yes, help make Julie's life easier when she's trying to market this podcast. And of course, it would be remiss of me not to mention that you can go book a consultation in person or online with James to discuss all your health concerns. Head on over to www.hellohealth.au. Plus, you'll get free postage on any products you purchase. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.